I might be valuing my knowledge about God more than I value knowing him. Mm. I mean, Jesus said in John 17, 3, eternal life is this, knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one he has sent, not knowing about the yeah, only true yeah. God. Welcome to Soundless Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music, where we explore what the Bible has to say about music and worship in the church and encourage those who plan, lead, and participate in their Sunday gatherings each week. Welcome back to the Soundless Doctrine podcast. My name is David Zimmer. My name is Bob Coughlin. And we are on part two yes. of Idolatry on Sunday Mornings. And it's exciting to be here. It is great to be here. Can you give us just a recap of the part one episode that we did? Maybe. We'll find <laughs> out, won't we? Yeah. I mean, just to set it up, if you didn't hear the first one, uh, I would suggest you go back and listen to that because mm -hmm. I think that we, we talk a lot about why this is an issue. Basically, it's it's a problem that we can come into a Sunday gathering and think we're worshiping God, but actually be worshiping other things, mm -hmm. things that we're giving more of our affection to, more of our attention to, more of our adoration to mm. than God himself. So the things we covered last time were music, musical excellence, tradition, and creativity. creativity. Yeah. yeah. So we got some more. Yeah. Some more ways we might be deceiving ourselves, <laughs> be being deceived. I don't know how you say that. Um, I think this is this next one is is fairly rampant in the church today, and that would be the idol of experience, mm. where we go into a meeting thinking, I, I need to come out of here having experienced something. Mm something physical, something emotional. And and that is, well, of course, we are going to feel things when we gather. We are going to experience things when we gather. Um, you know, you have, you have passages in scripture where it talks about the emotional engagement, the, the, the longing or the, you know, seeking God's presence. First Chronicles 16, 1, seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Mm -hmm. Psalm 84, 1 and 2, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the course of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So th there's, a, there's an emotional engagement, there's an experience happening. But the goal of God's people, the goal of us worshiping together is not to feel something so mm. much as it is, is so much as it is to remember and to bear witness to something. Mm. And that something is the word and works and worthiness of God, especially as he has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. Yes. When when the gathering becomes more about goosebumps or or heightened emotions during a meeting, God just becomes of one of the options that I choose to get to that. Mm. And wow. that is idolatry. Yes. I, I will become aware of God's nearness as I sing with understanding, as I hear God's words, word preached. I remember numerous times where I'm sitting under the preaching of God's word, and it's as though the preacher disappears, and I'm just hearing God speak. Mm. And I think, 
wow. And it's an experience. But I don't go into the meeting thinking, if I don't have an experience like that, God hasn't been here. Yeah. We did a, a, some episodes a while back, maybe one, about experiencing God's presence. Yeah. How do we think about God's presence in the meeting? Which I think speaks to some of those things. Yeah. But I think so many times we, we go into a, a, a gathering, and this is where leaders can be somewhat vague. We're, we're looking for something. Yeah. A presence. You know, we talk about it as the presence. And you you don't know exactly how to describe it, but you know it when it's there. Right. Well, that's that's experiential. Yeah. And while experience is a part of our encountering God and our relationship with God, it's not all there is. Otherwise, we wouldn't need faith. Yes, right. We wouldn't need to walk by faith. Mm-hmm. We just need to know if I've had an experience, God's been here. Well, well I mean, to take a step further, I, I've had... I've had friends who are non-Christians that go to church and go, I just feel better when mm. I when I leave. Yeah. You know, they know there's gonna be joy there, people are gonna be nice. It's like we can completely miss yes. the opportunity for, of the life changing yes. transformation of the gospel in a person's life if all your church or gathering is trying to do is create this feeling, is create this experience. Yeah, and that's what makes it idolatry, is that we're pursuing that experience. Mm. So either as a leader or someone in the congregation, I am saying, this is what matters the most, that I have this experience. I mean, I have broken down at times when I'm singing songs. Um, I remember singing uh, The King in All His Beauty by Matt Papa and Matt Boswell, which, and I think that's one of the guys. Um, just incredibly beautiful song, incredibly powerful. The words, um, you know, a, a crown made of thorns and splinters. Uh, it, it's just I'm so moved by it. Mm-hmm. I don't experience that every time I sing that song. Right. Um, and I don't expect to, but I, I'm just seeking to think about the words, think about what this means, think about how it's true, think about how the effect it has on my life. Let God worry about the experiences. Mm. I'm not trying to manipulate the music, manipulate what I say or how I'm playing so that I create this experience for people. Yes. I want them to be focused on the truths of what we're singing, the yeah. truths of what we're saying. And it, it's you can say there's a fine line. It's not so fine a line. You know when there's a church that says, look, we're going to get you to experience something regardless of what we do to get you there. It might be the video, it might be the lighting, it might be the, the, the music we're laying down, it might be the, the atmosphere. It's, we're going to get you to that experience. Remember one church uh, for a season was talk, talked about, you know, in, in their Sunday gatherings, getting people to the wow moments. Mm. You know, we, this will be the wow moment. You can't orchestrate the wow moments. Mm. That's manipulation. Yes. That is human ingenuity. Yes, it That's is. not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us experiences. We can long for those experiences. We can pray for those experiences, but we cannot orchestrate them. We cannot manipulate them. We cannot bring them to pass in our own power. That's God's prerogative. He does it when he wants to bless us, and we thank him for it. Mm. So that's experience. We yeah. we don't want to idolize experience. We, you, you know, I think I've probably said enough. I'll just yeah. start repeating myself. <laughs> Here's another one, uh, liturgy. Mm-hmm. And we were getting uh, to this with traditions in the last episode. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. Forms and practices are significant when we meet mm-hmm. uh, as God's people. Uh, 
First um, Corinthians fourteen forty says everything's to be done decently and in order. But God has been vague, painfully so at times, <laughs> it seems, as to what that order actually looks like. Mm. You know, how, how many songs we should sing, when we should sing them, what words should we should use when we pray, uh, when and how often we should celebrate the Lord's Supper. And, you know, this, this topic is, has separated Christians over the, over the centuries. Mm-hmm. And in some schools, some churches, it is highly significant. And during the time of the Reformation, the, your liturgy was a big deal. Um, and it, it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, you know, there have been church splits over liturgy, and that's okay because some of the doctrines and truths that we cherish the most were purified through fires of conflict. So, mm-hmm. so that's not all a bad thing. And it's probably helpful to say that some liturgies are better than others. Yeah. There are good liturgies, there are bad liturgies. Liturgies that are aware of the healthy tensions of corporate worship, like transcendence and imminence, head and heart, planned and spontaneous, mm-hmm. those liturgies will be more biblical and effective than those that favor one side or the other. But there is no perfect liturgy. Mm-hmm. And and God never intended us to say about our liturgy that this is, this is what gets us to God. Yeah, we figured it out. We, you know, we, among all the Christians <laughs> who exist... <laughs> Finally figured out the way to do it. It's it's not like a secret passcode. Yeah, and you know what's wild too to think about is how culture is factored into uh, liturgy. How so? Uh, like, uh, what might work for your church in in the Midwest might look different mm. for someone on the East Coast or in China or yes. in you know Africa or the UK, and some churches don't even have a quote unquote liturgy. But they still follow a structure every they single week. They do have a liturgy. And that yeah. is their liturgy. Yeah. So it's, I mean, when you say that there is no perfect liturgy, it's because that hasn't been laid out. That's what you just yeah. said. It hasn't yeah. been laid out for us in scripture. Yeah. And we can, th- I remember, I think it's in Sovereign Grace, we, I grew up Catholic and was involved in a very strict liturgy every Sunday. You know, looked pretty much the same every week. Then Vatican II happened in the late 60s, and you know things changed up. I thought, this is great. You know, this is so much better. And I think it probably was better. But after I came to the Lord, I and had been Christian for some time, I just kind of bristled at the idea of, of liturgy. It brought you back to being a Catholic. Yes, and, yeah. and, and, and not really thinking about what was going on. Mm. And... Um, I think in the early years of Sovereign Grace, I, I, I thought, man, we're free from that. We're free, <laughs> church. We can do whatever. But then you turn around and you look at what you're doing over the last 10 years, mm. and you realize you are doing the exact same thing every Sunday. Mm. You know, you, you got starting with two fast songs. You got a medium song, you yeah. got two slow songs, <laughs> and then you have, and that all that takes about forty minutes because you got you know spiritual gifts happening in there, and then you got you know welcoming visitors and the offering, and you got the announcements, and then you have the sermon which could go to an hour, and then you have uh, another song, and then time of ministry. 
We did that every Sunday. Yeah. For years. <laughs> we don't have a liturgy. No, sir. Yeah. Uh, but we do. And mm. the better question to ask, you know, whether I have a liturgy or not is, is do you have a good liturgy? Mm. Realizing there's no perfect liturgy. Yeah. And that, that's where the idolatry comes in. We don't want to be so confident in the way we structured our meeting that we think this cannot be improved upon mm. or we don't need the finished work of Christ to make this acceptable to God. Mm. That That's what will keep us in a safe place. Right. All right, next one. And this is a kind of weird one um, for an idol on Sunday morning. Doctrinal or biblical knowledge. Mm. Can that be a problem? <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, yes, um, because I, I don't know how many churches, I don't know if the majority of churches would be in danger of this, but it is possible to wrongly pursue doctrinal knowledge that is distinct from a knowledge of God himself. Mm. We, we have to acknowledge that possibility or we can fall into the error of the Pharisees who took more pride in their rightness than they did in yes. their relationship with God. Yes. So that, that's what Jesus was getting at in John 5, 39 and 40, when he said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Mm. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Mm. And I've... I've seen this, I've seen evidences of myself at times where we are more impressed with our accurate theology in our preaching, in our songs, than the fact that God has shown mercy to us in Jesus Christ. Mm. Doctrine and theology, humbly studied and applied, always lead to humility, mm. always lead to the fear of God, always lead to the love of others always need to honoring him more, not less, loving him more, not less. And that's why Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for a knowledge of scripture that didn't lead to him. Is the knowledge of scripture yes. bad? Oh my goodness, no. Just listen to the episode we did with Jeff Perswell on on the word yes. of God in our in our gatherings. I mean, it's it's life to us. Yeah. But that life points us. It, the written word brings us to the living word, Jesus yeah. Christ. And it's our relationship with him that we feast on, that we enjoy, that, that we experience when we gather, not just being impressed with how much we know and how right we are. Right. Because that, you know, that attitude can also be a, a real turnoff to people who come to our gatherings and hear the words of life, hear the words of truth, but they're so just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't like the attitude that it's being brought with. Yeah. It's, it's proud. Yeah. It's arrogant. It's demeaning. And it can be knowledge for knowledge's sake. Yes. Yeah. Instead of pointing you to Christ. So my, my question is, not to take too much time here, but I just, I see this a lot. How, if you're listening to this podcast and you go, I feel like my church might be like that, mm, or, or, or mm. I feel like I'm in that context, we value the word, we love the mm, word, we're saying good. that, but what, how, 
and they feel like I want to change. Maybe I, yes. I, what do I do yes. to, to bring that to, from my head to my heart? Yeah. Uh, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? How can the person themselves change? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, or I feel like, you know, I'm in this context. How do I process this in this context? Yeah. Those are two different questions. Yeah. So the first one, how do I change? First, the recognition that that might be a problem is, is a great start. Mm. I mean, the Holy Spirit showed you that, mm. that I might be valuing my knowledge about God more than I value knowing him. Mm. I mean, Jesus said in John 17, 3, eternal life is this, knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one he has sent, not knowing about the yeah, only true yeah, God. Yeah. So, so I'd probably examine my Bible reading habits and, mm. and what it produces in me. Um, you know, like to, uh, when I, when I think of, you know, spending time with the Lord, I like to think of, uh, a, a plan, a place and a purpose. Mm. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I know what I'm going to do when I sit down. Um, I have a place to do it. And then the purpose is to know the Lord better. Mm-hmm. It's to, to, to have my life revealed before him as I read. Yeah, I've just found that helpful for years, uh, as I think about my own devotional time with the Lord. Yeah, so I would I would examine that. You know, do I read my Bible just so I can tell people what I read, or do I read my Bible just so I can feel good? Yeah, I've got it in. I mean, I used to feel like that. Yeah, um, you know, my day would go better because I read my Bible. Yeah. Well, like, is, does God leave you because you didn't read your Bible? Right. You know, is he is he no longer faithful <laughs> because you didn't? No, you're unfaithful. He's still faithful. Yes. So, why do I read my Bible? Yeah. What kind of fruit does it produce? What kinds of things am I seeing? Oh, I I just noticed that there are you know 13 men in this list in the genealogy here, and that's so that lap, that maps onto or you know whatever. Right. Uh, that's great. It's excited that you're excited, but does that do anything to your heart? Yeah. Um, and and discoveries like that, not to minimize that, discoveries like the the names and the ge- genealogies can can make us aware that God cares about every individual. Yeah. That you know those names are in the eternal Word of God. Yeah. He, he didn't leave them out. Yeah. And that that can tell you something about God's character. Yeah. God's heart. Yeah. So is that where my mind goes? Or does it just go to, wow, I know more than I used to. Yes. I'm, I feel so good about myself. Yeah. Well, and then in your gatherings, when you're approaching your gathering, it should be sort of, you know, like the parable that that Jesus spoke of the two men that are in the gathering, the the one that says, wow, I'm so happy I'm not like him. Oh, and yes. And the other that yes. says, woe is me. Um, yes, you know, and which they one walked away? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I think having the second approach of saying, "God, you've had mercy on me." Yes, I wouldn't know you unless you revealed your truth to me. Yes, that should bring that humility you're talking about brings joy, and it brings a, a level playing field. You know. Yeah, it's it's Luke eighteen. I think it's. Uh... Sorry, I need to put in my glasses here. 11. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Mm-hmm. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get, and you know, could be at it. And I, I've memorized like the whole, yeah. the whole chapter of Ephesians, or yeah. or I, I know the whole Westminster Catechism, or whatever. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." Mm. And it, a true engagement with with God's word is going to make us aware of God's greatness and goodness. Yeah. Our sin and unworthiness mm-hmm. and God's mercy and compassion to us in Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's going to make us want to know him more. Yes. But that'll be for the right reason. So I, yeah, I was going to get to that where, get to that place where from your devotions, then you go to your gathering. You know, why are you taking notes? Yeah. Are you taking notes? I mean, I would encourage you to take notes. I've been taking notes for decades. It's just, it's so helpful yeah. on a Sunday. Um, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, yeah, just, just show, I'm taking notes. Hey, everybody, <laughs> look at me. Click, 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 click. I'm taking notes. Uh, or is it, I just need to, I need this. I need to know God better. And here's yeah. God's word being preached to me. Uh, so yeah, just measure your heart. What's what's the result of the messages you hear? Yes. Uh, do you brag about how much you know? Does, is that a source of pride for you? Or or is it a humbling thing? Yeah. That, wow, I, I didn't know that, or I'm not applying this. And Lord, help me by your spirit. I want to honor you. Yeah. Excellent. So, so that's I think that's a great question. As far as changing your church, you know, if you if you recognize your church is like this, I would just seek to be an example. Mm. You know, uh, I would just seek to talk about the things that indicate you are loving God's word for the fruit it produces in your life. Yes. For for that talk about the character of God, what this reveals about the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this verse, uh, this passage. This Bible study, um, you know, a lot of churches are committed to Bible study, which is great. We should be studying the Bible, but we can do it in such a way that that just becomes the aim. Yeah. I'm just going to study the Bible. Yeah. Hey, I'm part of three Bible studies. How about you? Right. Oh, I, I'm just one. I feel like <laughs> such a loser of a Christian. No, I, you you might be getting a lot more of that one Bible study than than someone who's doing three. Yes. I don't know. I mean, Bible studies are good. But if we're not applying it, if it's not drawing us to know God and Jesus Christ better, then they might they're serving the wrong purpose. That's great, Bob. So, yeah. So that's doctrinal. What do we call it? Doctrinal knowledge. Here's another idol, which is on the other side, and that's doctrinal ignorance. Yes, <laughs> it should be mentioned. Biblical ignorance. We can we can think that you know. I've heard this said before. Words get in the way of worship. And again, I commend the podcast we did with Jeff Perswell on how the Word of God functions in our gatherings. Yes. Oh man, what he said there, the thoughts he shared were just so helpful. Um, but we can pride ourselves on coming up with cooler stuff than the Bible, mm. uh, or more relevant stuff, or. Uh, more creative stuff, and we don't value God's Word as the controlling influence and the primary substance of our worship. Yes. And when we don't do that, other things rush in to fill its place. Mm. But we we think this is great. We you know we 
we can do these things and you know the bible's in there of course we we have a bible you know we, we use it occasionally and but that's not how god gave us his word and yeah and he gave it to us as a means not just of information but communication and relationship Mm-hmm. He wants to have a relationship with us through his word. I mean, all throughout scripture, you see God relating to us through his word. One of the primary examples being um, Exodus 34, where uh, God causes his goodness, his glory to pass before Moses. Yes. And instead of just giving him an experience, he he says things. Yeah. A- and it, it is, he says a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and... And you just think, wow, okay, maybe maybe the Lord, maybe the word's important. I mean, Moses didn't say, oh, God, stop, so many words, so many words. You know, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow mm-hmm. to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. It's a lot of words. God had the uh, Ten Commandments, the two tablets of Moses, put in yeah. the ark in the tabernacle. He wants his word at the center of what we do. Mm-hmm. So again, I commend that other podcast we did with Jeff to you. It is, uh, it is the, um, it's, it's important that we keep God's word at the center of, of our gatherings and we not take pride in the fact that, yeah, we just kind of refer to scripture casually Yes. Uh, you know, it's it's good, but not as good as what we have. Mm-hmm. No, that that is idolizing doctrinal ignorance, and and we sure don't want to do that. Right. So here's the question. I got three more. Great. Do we got time for them? Yes. Okay, we're gonna go into them then. Um, Great. These would be more for leaders, and there's a little bit of crossover here. Uh, but I wanted to speak to leaders specifically. Yeah. Great. And uh, talk about things we can idolize that maybe the people in our congregation might not be tempted by. Yes. The first, they all begin with R. The first be, it would be results. Mm. And I would be referring to the mindset that says worshiping God is is a means to attaining a more desirable end, like more people, like evangelism, which is a good thing, like mutual ministry, like we, we get together and we just... We just minister each other and, and which we're supposed to do or individual experiences some other end other than bringing glory to god mm. for all he is for all he said for all he's done so yes. it could be revealed in topics like this you know we we don't talk about certain things and we it can be revealed in comments like this we don't talk about certain topics because people just don't want to hear them so we, we want a lot of people to come, so we're not going to say what the Bible says about this. I mean, leaders have, have skirted significant issues, uh, abortion, homosexuality, purity, um, different things, said, well, we're just not sure, we're not sure, because they're not popular. Yeah. No, we, we can't change God's word to achieve other results. Mm. The result is submitting to God, submitting to his word, bringing him glory. Yes. Um, It could be a comment like, energetic meetings keep people coming back. Yeah. 
not everything about the Christian life or the Christian gathering is, is energetic and exciting. Mm-hmm. There are times when we're lamenting. There are times when we're confessing sin. There are times when we're standing in reverence and awe. Um, maybe it was, uh, it didn't seem like God really showed up this morning because we just, we sang, shared the Lord's Supper, prayed, preached, nothing <laughs> happened. What? You know. Wait a minute. You did all the things he asked you yes. to? Oh, nothing <laughs> happened. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, we want everyone here to receive a touch from God this morning. Hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, a touch from God. I mean, a, a touch from God might be conviction. A touch from God might be um, just recognizing I need God. Mm. Um, it might just be standing there, sitting there in faith, recognizing that I'm not feeling anything right now, but I know these things are true, and that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And I'm with God's people, and that's why I'm here. And I think if you're if you're chasing results so much, you're per, you're, you're putting such a heavy burden on yourself. Absolutely. You're, well, all of these things, all of these uh, idols uh, are worthless. Idols do not deliver. <laughs> they don't. They are vain pursuit. Yes. So, exactly. Uh, I'm going to look back here for a scripture that I had early on about idols. I don't know if I'll find it or not. Uh, they just don't deliver what they say they're going to deliver. Mm-hmm. And uh, they never do. They never will. They're vain. And so, yeah, when you talk about the burden, I mean, so many pastors, so many leaders talk about the burden of leadership. There are burdens to leadership. You know, people are going to slander you. People are going to oppose you. People aren't going to do what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. what you've asked them to do, what, what you've expected them to do, what you've taught them to do. Mm-hmm. Th- those are burdens. But the burden isn't doing what God has called us to do. Mm. That's a joy. Mm. That, that's, that's our bread. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Mm. And if, if we are doing what God has commanded us to do, gifted us to do, in the power that he's given us to do it, it there shouldn't be so many leaders burning out. Mm. Because when we serve God... He gives us grace for what he's called us to do. When we serve idols, we don't get grace. No. So if, if we're serving the idol of results, we're not going to have grace for that, and we're going to yep. feel a lot of pressure. That's excellent. What's Our, your second R? Second is reputation. A good reputation is to be pursued, Proverbs mm-hmm. 22.1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. That means God wants us to have a good reputation. We, he wants us to be known for godliness, integrity, faithfulness. But I'm never to seek my good name at the expense of God's name. Mm-hmm. And leaders do this. Yeah. I'm never to be more concerned about my reputation than God's. And this is subtle because the idol of reputation masquerades behind holy acts. Yeah. But it reveals itself in unholy thoughts or responses. Mm. And it's it's sad and it's sobering, sobering and it's scary that I can be in the act of worshiping God in the gathering, hoping that I will look better in other people's eyes. Mm. Musicians can do this. Preachers can do this. I've done this. And it's, it's convicting 
to remember the times when I've stood in front of people leading them, either preaching or, or playing, singing, and been wondering, I wonder what they're thinking of me. Yeah. I wonder if that went over. I wonder if I have them right now. I, I wonder if they think that's effective. And it's especially revealed in the comments afterwards. If someone says, yeah, that didn't go so well. How do I respond? <laughs> the meeting was going great until you got up and said something. <laughs> uh, Ouch. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, if, if I'm worshiping my reputation and not Jesus's reputation, which is what he wants us to do, that's idolatry. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And while musicians and pastors are no more sinful than anyone else, we do have particular temptations that we need to be aware of. Yeah. We are in front of people most of the time, and we can be tempted to steal the glory from God. Yes. And as a leader, I never want people to be confused about whose glory I'm up there for. Yeah. And it won't only be shown in what, what I'm doing in front of people, it'll be shown in the way I act outside of the platform, mm -hmm. outside of being in front of people. Mm -hmm. What what do people see there? Do they see me as someone who just deserves special treatment? Who you know the whole the green room mentality, where I'm in you know front of people for uh, to 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 do God's work, but then as soon as I'm off, I'm in the green room. <laughs> I'm I'm just and you don't even have to have a green room to to have this mentality. <laughs> It's just could be a red room, could be a brown room, uh, but it's just I want to get away from people, and mm. I don't really want to serve them because I've I've done my job, and uh, you know I got to protect my reputation, and I just want to be self centered right now. And that's okay, uh, you know, if that's okay with you, it's okay with me. Mm. So it's the idol of reputation, yeah, which God is against. He says in Isaiah sixty six verse two, "This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble, and contrite in spirit." and trembles at my word. Yeah. And there have been numerous illustrations of leaders who have seemingly been doing great things for God and then found to be actually doing what they're doing for their reputation. And they will be found out. God will God will find that out because he cares about his church. He cares mm -hmm. about his people. Mm -hmm. Final one, uh, relevance. Churches can be irrelevant for any number of reasons. Spiritual pride can keep us from considering that non-Christians may not understand our highly developed Christian speak, our Christianese. Mm. Administrative incompetence might make it hard for people to find us or to enjoy being with us once they do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, we can think we're in the world, not of the world. That can result in a narrow interpretation that uh, just makes it hard for people to relate to us. So, so not talking about being so unrelatable to the culture that no one can even identify with you. Yeah. But there is an idol of relevance that's rooted in the thought that people may not like us because we seem different from them. Yeah. We talk a lot about that, Bob, uh, when we're talking about like the aspect of cool, you know, huh. what's what's relevant is what's cool. Yes. And it's like, is that what we are chasing? Yeah. And you can tell, I think, it's not wrong to be relevant. Appreciate 
you know, speakers, musicians who, who know, have an understanding of what's happening in the culture, mm -hmm. try to keep up on what the culture's doing, but to use that in such a way that it makes us feel like we're more accepted yeah, or we're more looked up to, that's idolatry. Yeah. It should be a means of saying, look, I understand what is happening in the culture here. This is what God says. Yeah. This is what God has said about yeah. that. And too often we don't make that distinction and we we become uh, people who are just trying to look like we're in the world and a little bit of the world, mm. which is not what God tells us to be. And this quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, where he addresses the desire of preachers to be relevant, applies to musicians as well. Our Lord attracted sinners because he was different. <laughs> They drew near to him because they felt that there was something different about him. Mm. That poor sinful woman of whom we read in Luke 7 did not draw near to the Pharisees and wash their feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. No, she sensed something in our Lord, his purity, his holiness, mm. his love. And so she knew, drew near to him. It was his essential difference that attracted her. And the world always expects us to be different. Hmm. This idea that you're going to win people to the Christian faith by showing them that after all, you're remarkably like them is theologically and psychologically a profound blunder. Hmm. <laughs> it's so good. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. We are related to sinners because... Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for us, and we yeah. needed him to do that. He hung around the low lives of his day, the people of his culture, enough to be accused of engaging in their sins, Luke 7, 34. But he never gave the impression that he improved, that he approved of them, yeah. that he was like them, that he was immersed them, and he didn't go to parties to prove that he was like everyone else. Mm. They knew he was different. And I could provide a number of church websites, and I don't want to, don't need to, that illustrate exactly what we're talking about, yeah. pursuing the idol of relevance. When I want to finish with this quote from Oz Guinness from his book, Prophetic Untimeliness, A Challenge to the Idol of Relevance. Mm. He says, by our breathless chase after relevance without a matching commitment to faithfulness, we've become not only unfaithful, but irrelevant. <laughs> <Both>. <laughs> yeah. By our determined efforts to redefine ourselves in ways that are more compelling to the modern world than are faithful to Christ, mm. we have lost not only our identity, but our authority and our relevance. Our crying need is to be faithful as well as relevant. Excellent. Now, I, I would say that we, we have been guilty of all these, following mm -hmm. all these idols at different mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. And uh, we thank God for a savior who has come to us in our sin, in our weakness, taken on, become like us in every way, in every respect but sin, Yes. so that we might come to the Father through him to receive mercy and to find grace to help in our time of need. Mm. So if, if you've been convicted of these, there is great hope. And the conviction is, is a step towards change. Yes. Because God intends for us to worship him 
the way he enabled us to worship him in spirit and truth, through the spirit of God, in Jesus Christ, we don't have to worship idols in our meetings. We can worship Jesus Christ, the son of God, for the glory of God, in the power of the spirit, given us, having received the tools that God has given us to do that, his word, the gospel, his spirit, in the community of his people, we can do that with great joy, and we don't have to bow down to any of these idols Praise God. Yes. So let's gather with that mentality. It's excellent. Sorry, I get excited. (laughs) Thank you, Bob. Thank you so much for walking us through these points. And no. It's 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 been wonderful. I can't believe we we got it into two episodes. We did. We did. So thank you so much. And for all of you who are listening or watching on YouTube, it's just, it's a joy to do this and we hope it serves you. So thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sound Plus Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Grace Music exists to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for the church from our local churches. For more information, free sheet music, translations, and training resources, you can visit us at SovereignGraceMusic.org.